You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical and theological questions in 10 minutes or less, or sometimes more like this episode. Here's today's question. This is Royce. I'm from Northern Virginia. I was a member of uh, Emmanuel Bible Church, where Michael taught and uh, preached. My question and my comment that I'd like to hear from Dr. Easley is his thoughts on predestination. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I look forward to hearing what he has to say. Bye. Well, you know, Hannah, this is a question we, we've gotten a lot. A lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I would guess probably in the last, let's say, if I looked at 12 Sundays of preaching, half those times somebody will come. <laughs> well, and I had, a, I had a friend in town two weekends ago. We were sitting on your back porch, and she goes, okay, let's talk about predestination, Michael. Yeah, yeah. and she's still wrong, but I love her. <laughs> well, number one, as a, when you come to Christ, you're going to encounter this, right, sometime in your life. You're going to hear someone talk about free will, predestination, election, double predestination, all these kind of things. And um, it was my third year after I came to Christ that I encountered this this whole controversy and discussion. Uh, if you're in a BSF or a Precept or a CBS small group, hanging out with friends, if you come from a real reform background, if you come from a, a what's, what's called an Armenian background where they believe you can lose your salvation, all these things get jambalized. So let's, let's take a run at it. Number one, we need a biblical perspective, not a human perspective, meaning some truths of Scripture you have to look at from, a, let's just say, a heavenly lens, not a humanly lens, and you nor I can fathom it. Secondly, the idea of predestination bleeds into fate, determinism, the absence of free will, uh, this issue of so-called double predestination, Romans 9.13, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated which Paul is pulling from Malachi chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. So the idea of predestination, let's reel it in and not run to all these areas right away. So third, let's think about God making choices. God chose Abram. He names him Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. He chooses Moses. He chooses a people group called Israel. He chooses Joshua. He chooses Caleb. Think through every prophet. He chose them. I don't think any prophet was, here I am, send me, until Isaiah was forgiven. Hmm. Every other prophet's reluctant. Think of Moses backpedaling. Well, I, can't, I'm not, I can't speak. Who am I? What do I say? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- think of Jonah. God called Jonah to go right. He goes left. Uh, there was a reluctance about when God chose these people. My point is God chose them not because they were good, better, best, he chose them to use them. I think it's humorous that Israel's called a stiff-necked people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> God chose a stubborn people group. Uh, four, from the human lens, ergo, we would conclude God didn't choose other people. Right. And this is when we get into trouble. So then we have to explain why didn't he choose them. And our human lens says, well, we were better, they were worse. Or one of the goofiest theologies I've run into is that God looks down time and he says, okay, I know when uh, Joe or Susan or Fred or Hannah or Michael is going to come to Christ. And so he reels back time and says, I choose you. Hmm. That is what I would call foreordination run amok, meaning we're saying our behavior at some point makes God call us. 
that I mean that breaks apart at so many levels. Right. So let's go back to what the passages say. Let's listen to a few passages. Ephesians one verses three to six. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. By the way, can I just say I love that phrase, every spiritual blessing. We always want more. We got more we can ever access. Verse four, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Listen again, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, if I go back to creation, whether you're old earth or young earth, view, whatever you want choose, before he set the world in motion, he chose us. Now, that's pretty mind-bending. Yeah. He chose us before the foundation of the world so that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, verse 5, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ himself to the kind intention of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Christ is choosing us before we existed, before the world was a place where we could be sustained. Hmm. He adopted us because of the kind intention of his will, not what we have done, hmm. but the kind intention of what he wanted to do. Uh, again, First Peter 2, 9 you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, a chosen race. And we could look at many other passages, but to wind this long, complex uh, conversation down, uh, I like to use the illustration of the arch. And if you've heard me teach you know, on and off over the years, you've probably heard me use this illustration. It's either uh, attributed to Alan Redpath or J. Vernon McGee. We don't know. I've heard J. Vernon McGee say it on audio, uh, but I've also read that it was attributed to Alan Redpath, and I'm a stickler for giving credit where credit is due. So all of humanity is going along, and they're all going to hell. So envision you know, these lines of people going over uh, Brooklyn Bridge, and we're all going to hell. Uh, somewhere along the travel, there's an arch over off the side, and the arch says, whosoever will. And some people choose to take a turn and walk through that arch. They have responded to the call of Christ, whosoever will. They've trusted Christ. They're now a believer. Humanity is still going to hell. They're all walking across the bridge. They're going to hell. But these arches along the way say, whosoever will, whosoever will. It's sometime after you walk through that arch, you, you've, you've understood your salvation. You understood you're forgiven of your sins. Christ died in your place on your behalf. Instead of you, you trusted, you believed, you put your faith in him to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You know you are now saved. You look back on that arch and you contemplate, how did I get saved? Hmm. It wasn't because you and I were smarter. We had an encounter with the living God. We walked through the arch, so to speak. We believed in him. We responded to the call. Now, looking back on that arch, on the backside is inscribed, chosen before the foundation of the world. Mm -hmm. So what that illustration means to me, and the way I paraphrase it, is that the doctrines of election and predestination have no application except for the believer. So I'm not looking at the backside of the arch, looking at humanity going, who's saved, who's not saved, who's elect, who's unelect, who's chosen, who's not chosen. I'm looking at the front part of the arch going, everybody has the opportunity. Whosoever will. Now, now some of my Christian friends disagree with me on that. They think the 
offer only goes to the chosen, the elect. Right. And we can have that discussion as well. But I think when Jesus says, whosoever will, he wishes none to perish, no, right. not even one. I think the call of salvation is open to all, mm-hmm. but only the elect will respond. Where we get tangled in this mess is we're in the middle of the arch trying to figure it out. Yeah. Which is why I love that arch. You got to go <laughs> through the arch and trust Christ. And then when you, oh, by the way, it wasn't because I was better. I had more potential. I was, you know, whatever. Uh, I was born in the right family. No, God plucked us as a brand from the fire. We're all going to hell. We're all going to hell in a handbasket. So fast forward, the doctrine of election and predestination to me, only applying to the believer means when you stumble across this doctrine and you have to grapple with it and come to a conclusion, not what you think, as Hannah's friend thinks, I just don't believe that. Well, fine, you can be wrong. You know? It's not what I believe, it's what Scripture teaches and are you and I willing to submit ourselves to what we do know where the, where the scripture is clear in those passages that Paul writes in Ephesians? Uh, or, or I, I just think it's hard to parse those out and say, well, the fact that Peter, that Paul said he chose me before the foundation of the world, that didn't really apply. Mm-hmm. That's kind of hard for me to, to parse that out of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's just a struggle in our humanity of, I mean, we have family members that we love that haven't placed their trust in Christ. And the fear, I think it's easy to think about predestination and, and go, what if they're not elect? And and how could my God not choose to save my family that mm-hmm. I want to spend eternity? You know, and I think that's the... It's hard. It's hard. And that's where we're putting the human lens on a heavenly lens. Yeah. And that's where faith is involved in all this. Election and predestination are taught in Scripture. Um, the more important application to me is, why did he choose me? Yeah. And how do, I now, how do I now live? Because if you come to grapple with your salvation, you aren't better. You didn't deserve it. You're not smarter. You're not better looking. You're not you know, whatever, right. fill in the blank. You're a person that deserved hell like everybody. Why did he choose me? So... Election and predestination should drive us to how, how do I humbly serve Christ? How do I share Christ with people that need to know him? How do I love the people that are far from Jesus? Because that's the nature of God's choice. He loved them and he chose them. So we're enjoined to pray for people. We're enjoined to share the gospel. We're enjoined mm-hmm. to make disciples, mm-hmm. to, to share Christ, to do the work of the evangelist. Mm-hmm. So you can't just say we sit back and fold our arms and say the elect are going to heaven. Right. On the other hand, not everyone will respond. So yeah. this can't be fate or determinism. Right. Because in humanity, you know, then we get in this whole ball of wax going, well, then what do I do? Well, you respond by faith. And again, not a perfect illustration, but the arch is the best way I've ever heard it explained. Before we come to Christ, the offer is for everyone. After we come to Christ, back to hitting our head again. Wow, he chose me. I didn't deserve this. Yeah. Now, how do I live? appreciating God's grace. If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us or text us at 615-281-9694 or you can email us at question at michaelincontext.com. We would love to hear from you. Ask Dr. E is a production of Michael Easley in Context. The music for this show is composed by Jason Germain and you can find more biblical resources at michaelincontext.com.